welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those of you that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners, which we might have because we're now in 78 countries, uh, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do the hard work and then we share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Now, so everybody knows we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Right, exactly. Let's get on with this week's spooky topic, which is... Halloween. <laughs> okay, Ollie. Halloween is this week's topic. It's uh, pretty apt given the time of year. We plan this nicely. Every week we sort of start with what did we know about said topic. So, yes, what do you know about Halloween? I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween and just being scared in general. If there's like an option of different films to watch, I'll probably watch a funny one over a scary one. So I know you'll often say, have you seen this scary film? And I probably haven't done. So no, I don't like being scared. And then one of the things I wanted to find out was why is it an American holiday? Why is it an American tradition where they they celebrate it? So yeah, that's what I wanted to find out about it this week. How about yourself? Yeah, I, d- I don't know. I didn't know anything about it really. 31st of November, uh, 31st of November, 31st of October. Literally, I don't think I knew much about this at all. The things I wanted to find out this week, I texted them to you early in the week, two things. Where has it come from? And what's the deal with pumpkins? Why is there pumpkins everywhere? <laughs> I walked into the range the other day and it's just pumpkins all over the place. How's a pumpkin got anything to do with Halloween? Yeah. So uh, yeah. hopefully we will answer those questions uh, in a minute and um, you're going to know just a little bit more about Halloween. Definitely. I think that sounds good. So as we always do, good place to start at the beginning and look into the history of it. And where did Halloween come from in the first place? What can you tell us about that? Yes, it's not so far ago as some of the other stuff, but we are talking 2000 years ago, aren't we? Yes. It was originally a Celtic festival called Sewin, and it was to celebrate the end of summer and the start of winter, wasn't it? They sort of had a, a, a gathering to celebrate that, right? Yeah. And just for, for people to know, if you were to see it written down, this ancient Celtic festival looks like it's called Samhain, but just given it's a Celtic word, it's actually pronounced Sewin. And just so people know where we're talking about in the world, like Celts, it is predominantly Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. Yeah, exactly. And so they believed that sort of this time of year, as the days got shorter, that the boundary between the worlds of the living and the den, dead became blurred. Yeah. Didn't they? And, and they worried that as this happened, essentially all the ghouls and the ghosts and the scary people, they'd like come out of hell or somewhere and then uh, cause havoc, wouldn't they, with crops and things like that? Yeah, that's right. And so what they wanted to do is to try and ward off these evil ghosts and ghouls and spirits. They they would then do a couple of different things. They would dress up themselves. So they would then make themselves look scary to try and ward off any of these ghosts and ghouls. 
they would leave some of their harvest out. So some of the food, they'd maybe offer it, they'd leave it an empty chair at a table. So if any of them wanted to sit down and, and eat and enjoy some food so that they then wouldn't be mad at the, the living, then they could do that. And then the other thing that they did is they set off huge bonfires, didn't they? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, massive bonfires. And they thought that, the, the reason, by the way, that they thought that the lines between like the living and the dead blood was because the sun got so low, they had to open the gates of the underworld to get light in, right? That's why. Nice. So normally it's so everybody can see it, but when it's really, really low, the underworld didn't get any light. So they had to open up the gates to let the light in. But I know opening up the gates to let the light in, all of the scary people escaped. If nice. Like. Yeah, that's really um, good. And another thing that I'd read, you were saying about them dressing up. One of the reasons they dress up is because if they looked like a ghoul or a ghost or a demon or whatever it might be, then the the real ghouls and the ghosts and the demons wouldn't harm them because they would like they'd be camouflaged essentially. Yep. So uh, yeah, so that's that's why they would dress up and that, yeah, they'd they'd have huge huge sacred bonfires. People would gather. They'd make sacrifices to all the gods and things, um, and just you know pray for a uh, a winter that they they could all get through with their crops and things like that. And I don't know if we've actually said it, but Halloween is always celebrated on the 31st of October every year. So that's that's the date that we're talking about, the 31st of October. And it was, as we've described there, 2000 years ago, it was a pagan festival. But then what happened as time went on, Romans then came around and they weren't too in favour of this pagan festival, were they? No, they basically just sort of merged it into their own festival, didn't they? They, they? they had a couple of different festivals around that time of year where they, they also commemorated the passing of their dead. And it just sort of, they, they sort of took it over. They, they honoured the Roman goddess of fruit and trees, didn't they, called Pomona. And yes. the symbol of Pomona was an apple, which, Ollie, would you like to tell us what that might have led to, we think? Oh, and that's where, fast forward a couple of hundred years, you've got your apple bobbing and you've got your other games that involve apples. Yeah, crazy, right? So, so the Celts, uh, the pagans had this festival. The Roman Empire conquered a majority of the Celtic territory. They sort of merged it into their own festival. So we've now got the uh, the pagan sort of fancy dress. Everybody's dressing up as ghouls and ghosts and things. We've also got the bobbing for apples, some other sort of predicting the future sorts of things that the Roman Empire bought. But coming even further forwards, the, the Christian church got involved, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. So in the 8th century, it was Pope Gregory III decided that November the 1st should be a day where they honour all of their old saints so or martyrs, people that have done good for, for the church, basically. And so, yeah, that's the 1st of November, which is obviously a day after where we then celebrate Halloween. Yeah, and this was called, it was All Saints Day, but it's also called All Hallows Day. And Hallows means person who is holy. Yes. So they were celebrating, they would celebrate all of the saints or all of the holy people, All Hallows. Um, this would be on the 1st of November. And obviously the day before that would be All Hallows Eve, which eventually became Halloween, right? Yeah, it just gradually morphed. So Hallows Eve just started merging into one word and yeah, let's celebrate Halloween. It's worth saying like they took over that, that date. You said they moved it to November the 1st. They actually moved this all saints day was originally May the 13th. Who's, um, who's they, what the uh, Christian the church. church. 
Yeah, the All Saints Day was originally May the 13th. Um, what they tended to do historically is they took over old pagan festivals as, as Christianity like sort of took over the world, or if you like. Um, you know, the pagans used to have a midwinter festival in De December to celebrate, you know, the darkest nights and things, and we're going to get through this. You know, the Christians, obviously, that became Christmas. The pagans also had a festival um, celebrating the return of the growth of crops around March, April time, which obviously then became Easter. Yes. But the Christians didn't have a celebration around um, October the 31st. So it is it is widely thought that what they did was just change their festival from May the 13th to November the 1st to sort of take it over, if you like. Okay. No, yeah, understood. So we so we've spoken about it. It started two thousand years ago, a pagan festival, and it then carried on going and going until sort of bringing it up to sort of modernish times. This festival then wasn't even in the US at this point in time, and it wasn't until a lot of Irish had to flee Ireland during the potato famine in the eighteen forties. And in the 1840s, loads of Irish and, and Scots were going over to America and they took the tradition with them. That's exactly it. And it grew from there, didn't it? Um, yeah. I'd read that one of the reasons in America, they've obviously, a lot of them are farmers or a lot of farming takes place. And around that time of year is harvest time, isn't it? So they yes. would already traditionally have had huge celebrations around that time of year. So that all of these Irish were going over and saying, oh, we've got this other celebration. It just sort of, you know, it clicked quite nicely yeah. and, and they could, yeah, yeah, yeah. both could happen together. But I was really interested to then realise, having read that and what I said at the beginning about what I wanted to find out this week, I thought it was an American thing. I thought it was invented by the Americans, but it's actually not. Yeah. So it's inv invented by the Celts. The Celts, Irish, Scottish actually took it over to america and then america ran with it yeah and they've sort of americanized it to a point where it now feels like it's their thing yeah yeah so, that's right so now like they do with like the super bowl and thanksgiving and every holiday in america it's just gone crazy right you go full into it yeah we'll come on to that a little bit later i think when we um when we talk about that just talking about how big it is in america apparently last year or the year before, I can't remember which number it was, the consumer spent $9 billion on Halloween in America, which is nearly $100 a person. <laughs> yeah. They, they go That's fully insane. in for it. They go full in, full in for it. It's, and it's now actually the second largest commercial holiday in the country. So Christmas being the first one, and then Halloween. And I was, I was fortunate enough to be over in the States at the end of October a few years ago. And I, I couldn't believe it compared to what we do in the UK, where you might get somebody put in some horrible looking witch out the front of their house. They go well, all yeah. in in the US. They go all in and it looks it looks amazing. People decorating their houses and getting fully on board. But yeah, they spend a boatload of money on it. So they also do a lot of trick-or-treating, don't they? Yeah, and it's just something that's been around with Halloween for a very, very long time as well. So the tradition of trick-or-treating actually started around the 15th century, where it was originally called something called souling. And this is where you used to get, so again, this is going back to that Irish festival of sewing. 
And it was customary for poor children to go door to door begging for food or money. And the reason that they were doing that was to pray for the souls of the people who died in that household. Yeah. So that, you know, they would knock your door and they would say, I will pray for your lost um, if you give me some food or some money. And then, yeah, and it was called souling. And the children that were going door to door doing this were called soulers, weren't they? And also the thought being at that time was that when someone had died, they were then stuck on earth and they wouldn't actually leave earth until the 31st of October. When this new year came around again, that was when everyone, all the souls would then leave earth and you'd either ascend to heaven or descend to hell. And so by having some children come around and pray for your loss, pray for your, your deceased, you then were looked on favorably by the gods. If you were to then be generous and give them something, and then hopefully your, your loved one would then go to heaven rather than going to hell. Yeah. And it then turned into something else, didn't it? It was souling for a little while, and then it was guising, as in yeah, like disguising, right. I think. Yeah, so in the 16th century, it then turned into guising, which was pretty much the same thing, apart from people then just started to get dressed up and turn up in fancy dress. And rather than just exchanging food and treats for prayers, they would then perform songs or poems or tricks. So that's where okay. the first part of tricks started to come in. Um, and so it sort of just morphed from there with people doing more and more like trick-based things in return for rewards. Yeah. And then it it really started to reemerge in sort of the 1920s, didn't it, as far as modern times go. 19. 19- yeah, that's right. There's like an etymologist. Um, according to, I was reading a Merriam-Webster post. I think that's a dictionary, isn't it? In America, yes. they talk about the etymology of words or where the first time you could find uh, find a word. Apparently, the first use of trick or treat was found in a, ni- a 1923 article in the Saskatchewan Leader Post, uh, where they noted that tricks, no, treats, not tricks, were the order of the evening. And then they obviously went on to talk about whatever happened. Yes. So that's the first uh, first time that the treat and trick was like both in the same thing. Nice. So that's and then what, what was happening is that people were, or children actually, were going around and they were doing these tricks. And these tricks started to get more and more mischievous. So it sort of started, you know, going back to the 16th, 17th century, where people would maybe remove the gate from the front of your house or they would yeah. you know, just do something a little bit mischievous and to deter them, you would then give them a reward. And then in the 1920s, they started to turn out to like flat out vandalism and smashing stuff up and it started to get a little bit hairy. Yeah, they used to um, take chunks of soap and they would like rub them all over windows so that you couldn't see out your window. That was a, <laughs> that was a, a, a trick that I'd read that was pretty common. Um, so they, So... They had to come up with a way to uh, sort of curtail the trick-or-treating a little bit, didn't they? Because, like yeah. you said, it went a bit out of hand. Yeah. Um, and they, they came up with, like, processions, you know, that they, they have in America now. Yeah, that's right. They, they thought if they turned it into a Halloween parade, then people, the, the grown-ups, would then take their children to the parades to see what was going on. They could then also get rewards and treats for going to the parades and it would mean that there wouldn't be children roaming the streets, causing mayhem and vandalizing stuff. And so that was sort of the idea behind it. And then there was an interesting story sort of off the back of this around, did you read about trick-or-treating for UNICEF? 
Yeah, well, so it's from like 1950. There's a woman in Philadelphia, wasn't there? She'd seen yeah. um, or read an article about um, it was milk, wasn't it, or milk powder for someone somewhere and like uh, underprivileged children. Yeah, and instead of sending her kids out to get sweets or whatever, said, you know, go and get me some money and we can donate some money. Um, and it's essentially got just bigger, hasn't it, over time? It's one of those things where it started off quite little and now they're talking like hundreds of millions of dollars have been raised for UNICEF by people. It's crazy. So it's saying it's about $188 million has been raised for UNICEF since the 1950s. And I know our American listeners might know this. It's not something that's made it into the UK, but there are these orange boxes that UNICEF send out to anybody who wants to go around and raise money on their behalf. And as you say, children will then go around and ask for donations, which they then send back to UNICEF rather than um, collecting sweets. But I thought something interesting was about sweets and why are sweets used in the first place? So going back hundreds of years, it used to be that they would hand out like nuts or cakes or biscuit type things. And then, um, and then, during the war, there was sugar rations and you weren't able to make sweets. But then as soon as those sugar rations were lifted, the sweet making companies spotted an opportunity and thought it'd be an amazing yeah. idea if we just Big opportunity. Pa- package up these little sweets. They're nice and easy. They're easy to hand out. They don't get messy. It's not like chocolate where it melts. And all the children could then go around asking for these lovely tasting things and get those rather than biscuits or cake that would crumble and disappear. There's your $9 billion they spend every year on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a simple it? idea, and it's turned into something so profitable. Well, you, see, you see it here, don't you? You can't walk into a supermarket now without there being a box of celebrations or Cadbury's Heroes. You know, they're yeah, everywhere yeah. at the minute. Like they are at Christmas, they're out everywhere now. So you get a box. Um, you know, we get trick-or-treaters here in the UK, don't we? Um, probably not anywhere near it like they are in the States, but, you know, we've got a little box of sweets by the door just in case anybody knocks. Yeah, but what yeah. we do have over here as you were saying earlier, which is massive in the US, is pumpkins. Now, this is a good one. This is going to be my takeaway, but it's such a long story. It's not that long, but it's too long to be a takeaway. So I found out where pumpkins came from. Did you, you didn't want to have the world's longest two guys, one topic takeaway record? No, I wasn't going to start by telling this story, but I will, (laughs) I will just, this is where it came from, right? These are why pumpkins happened. There's a famous story about an Irish guy called Stingy Jack, right? He was obviously super stingy and he was not a very nice person in any way. According to the story, he once had a drink with the devil. So he went to the pub with the devil. He's having a few beers and Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink. So he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin. He's like, you're the devil, you know, be a coin. It's fine. So the devil turns himself into a coin. But once he did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it in his pocket next to a silver cross. Right. Because it's by the silver cross, the devil could not change back into the devil. So he was stuck as this coin. Right. Jack eventually agreed to free the devil under the condition he would not bother Jack for one year. And that should and that should Jack die, he will not claim his soul. Yeah. So the devil's like, fine. All right. Fine. I'll be the devil again. but I won't worry for a year. Later on. Jack tricked the devil again into climbing up a tree to pick a piece of fruit. And while he was up there, Jack carved the sign of the cross into the tree's bark so the devil couldn't come back down. So the devil's like, you've got to let me down. So he says, okay, I'll let you down. Uh, Jack said he'd come down as long as the devil would not take his soul for 10 years. Okay. Like, not one year anymore. So the devil says, all right, fine. Soon after that, now he's got 10 years to go, you know, the devil can't take him. Soon after that, Jack died. Well, actual died. He, I think he died. They say he died of alcohol poisoning, but whatever. He died of something. Now, at this point... <laughs> 
God won't let Jack into heaven because stingy Jack's a horrible person. But the devil can't let him into hell because he's made a deal with him. He cannot yes. take his soul. Yep. So Jack's now stuck in sort of whatever that land is between heaven and hell. Purgatory. So he sends Jack off into the darkness. But before Jack goes, he asks for one more thing. He said, you know, I need something to see. So the devil gives him a coal, like a burning ember from hell. Jack has got nowhere to put that coal because it's too hot. So he carved out a turnip and he put the coal inside the turnip. Yep. And he would walk around holding this turnip. That's why it became known as the Jack-O-Lantern, by the way. Okay, because of Stingy yes. Jack. Eventually, that story goes around the world and it gets to America where they realize pumpkins are much better carving than turnips. <laughs> so pumpkins just sort of generally become the thing people carve out of instead of a turnip. And that is why there's pumpkins everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story. What a good story. I like yeah, so it. They would, um, people would walk around with carvings of, um, you know, they ha- they'd have the scary pumpkin and they-, they would use it to frighten away other ghouls. Um, yes. You know, they'd use it as like the story, like, you know, stay away from my door. I've got this scary pumpkin and yep. it's from the devil or whatever, scare off other spirits. But like you say, so it originally started with turnips and then yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. so, just uh, so that, realized it's actually easier to carve a pumpkin and that just sort of stuck. That'll be a, a quiz on our Instagram account. If you're listening, you know, what is, what was used before the pumpkin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's where the name Jack O'Lantern comes from. Yeah, I like it. What a good story. Jack of the Jack of the Lantern, it was originally. Uh, then it became Jack O'Lantern. Nice. So, uh, but yeah, like you said, pumpkins go all over America, don't they? They're, you know, it's big time. They're pumpkin cut. Uh, but the record for carving a pumpkin is like 12 seconds or something stupid like that. <laughs> yeah, I did read this. I did read this. I thought it was something like 16 and it just needs to have well, two eyes a nose and a mouth. I've not seen what that pumpkin looked like. It can't be that good, surely. No, I've actually got a pumpkin. I've never carved a pumpkin. I've got one this year. Okay. I might actually take a picture of it and uh, <laughs> put it on our account and see, see how good I can do it. There, so some of those traditions, so obviously start off with a turnip, you've got pumpkin, pumpkin carving. There's like loads of little traditional games and stuff that go along with Halloween that have just stuck and people just carry on doing now. I mean, one of them being apple bobbing, don't they? Like, do you know where apple bobbing came from? Yeah, well, we said earlier, didn't we? It's from the Roman, the Roman um, goddess. They they honour somebody called Pomona. She's the goddess of fruit trees, and the symbol of her is an apple. And then, what what would happen in around the 16th and 17th century? You would then have women who would bob for apples, and the theory being, whoever was the first one to successfully bob for an apple, so put their head into a bucket of water and come out with an apple. If you don't know what apple bobbing is they would then be married next year. It was like a superstition thing that just sort of grew and grew and grew. Some other weird superstitions that they had as well is that if a lady, again, I don't know why it's always a lady, if a lady were to be staring into a mirror on Halloween and she might catch the reflection of a man, then that would indicate that she is going to get married within the next year. There's other weird things like they would then carve an apple, again, coming back to, to the Roman god, They'd throw it over their shoulder. And if it landed in what would look like the initials of a man, then that then meant that that would be the man that they would then marry within a year. I don't know. So all of these like games and traditions, not all of them are stuck, but some of them are still happening. Yeah, I'm not throwing no apple peel over my shoulder on Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) But so 
like one of the uh, detours I took a little bit, just, you know, as we're getting towards the end here, is um, America, they go all in on things, don't they? And one thing I'd seen, I'd remember seeing, so then I sort of looked, looked into a little bit, is their haunted houses. Yeah. And their house of horrors. They go right all over those, don't they? Yeah, it's because people actually like getting scared, don't they? I know I said at the very beginning, I don't like being scared, but some people really enjoy being scared. Yeah, it releases adrenaline, doesn't it? And adrenaline effect, you know, depends, you know, dopamine and things like that. And I guess it affects different people in different ways. Like some people are adrenaline junkies, right? They, yeah. You know, I like running marathons, but no one else would like doing it. People like different things, I guess. And some people just enjoy being, they like the, the, the fact that they're scared. And also that it's coupled with as well. So you get this rush of adrenaline, you know, release of endorphins and dopamine. So you, you know, all those pleasure filled things that stimulate your brain, but you know, deep down that you're not really going to get hurt or injured. So that whole fight or flight mechanism is a little bit overridden and allowing you to enjoy the sensation even more. Yeah. 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 Because you're safe. Yeah. You know, it's all right. But yeah. Some of these, um, House of Horrors, particularly, I'd read one and then I went straight into it. There's the the most, not famous, perhaps infamous is the word, isn't it? Yeah. It's called the McCainy Manor. And, uh, you know, these are experiences where, where, you know, like where you sort of walk into the house and you become a live participant in in a bunch of actors around you playing parts. It sounds Um, like an absolute nightmare. You know, and normally, you know, I remember going to the saw ride in a thought park. Like it tells you actors will not touch you, do not touch them. You know, they will get close to you, but they won't touch you. But these sorts of places, you know, they they are gagging you and duct taping your eyes closed and they're hitting you and slapping you and so this is where, you underwater. This is the one where they make you sign a 40 page waiver before you start, don't they? Which is basically saying we can do anything to you. You've got a safe phrase so not like a safe word you've got a safe phrase that you can use to get yourself out but i read interestingly the very last clause of this whole 40 page document is that we do not need to pay attention to your safe phrase (laughs) they reckon it's 20 grand if you can complete this in this house of horrors which which can take 10 hours and that there's a 20,000 person waiting there 20 plus thousand people waiting to have a go at this house of horrors unbelievable like and it is horrendous, the stuff that they can do to you. And they do do waterboarding, like all sorts. What, one of them, one of the clauses, you know, like you'll have your teeth pulled out, be electrocuted. Yeah, waterboarded, forced to eat. Well, one of them is forced to eat vomit and like oh. cockroaches. Like it's horrific. And there's some videos you can see, but obviously the videos are only like what they let you see. They, they just look so bad. Yeah. It's yeah. like, a, like why, why would you do it? And like. There's a woman, I've watched one with a woman who's going back again. She's like, oh, you know, I want to see if I can do better than last time. And uh, hmm. these guys pride themselves on making it so scary that he, he has, a, the, guy, the guy's name is Russ McCamey. And we should say he, he has said that this stuff doesn't really happen because people have claimed it's just torture, like legal torture. But he said he, it's hypnotism, right? And he yeah. said, you know, once you're inside somebody's head, you can get them to believe anything's happened, even if it hasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially if they're blindfolding you and spinning you around and taking you off and doing stuff to you don't know what's going on but the a person who loves horror or who loves being scared is called a phobophile so it's wow. phob- phobophilia which roughly translates to the love of fear which you've got to yeah. love that haven't you and they they go 
all out at Halloween, but this McCabe Manor is available all throughout the year. Yeah, feel free to have a look for it. Like to be honest, though, if you if you put a pair of pliers on my teeth, whether you pulled them out or not, I'd be pretty scared. You'd be trying to say uh, your safe phrase straight away. But like, you know, maybe you may be like, like maybe they never pull someone's teeth out. So, but like he's saying, you know, if you're that scared, as soon as you put the pliers on, I'm going to think you've pulled my teeth out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's got something to do it. But yeah, so that, that's another, yeah, another sort of tangent we went off having looked into Halloween being scary. And if you like being scared, what was it all about? So do you have a takeaway for us this week? I do. Very quick one. This is nice, this, right? This might go as a quiz as well. Right. The word bonfire. You know, bonfires are linked with Halloween quite well. Yeah. Where does the word bonfire come from? The I've answer. no idea. If we go back 2,000 years, back to the start of our festival of sewing, and they're doing their... Um, you know, they're huge sacred bonfires that everybody's dancing around and, you know, the druids are out and they're praying to the gods to have a good winter and stuff. When the fire would be low, they would throw the bones of cattle onto it. And it was, so it was a bone fire. Ah, nice. Uh, and then eventually it's just turned into a bonfire, I guess. But yeah, it used to be bone fire. A bonfire literally comes from bone fire because they would burn the bones to keep the fire going. That's nice. I had no idea what you were, were going to tell us. That's amazing. I like that one. Go on then. What's yours? So my one is just coming back to America and how enormous Halloween is in America and them all going all out for this commercial festival. And Americans buy approximately a quarter of all of their sweets, all all of their candy for a year for Halloween. (laughs) Mad, isn't it? A quarter of all sweets you buy all get bought on Halloween. Yeah. And just to give you some idea about how much that is, I know Liam said earlier about nine billion being spent. About three billion get spent on sweets or candy every Halloween in America. Sheesh, and it's not even their thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So nice. So having looked into the topic this week, do you think you could hold a conversation with somebody about it? Absolutely. I actually mentioned, you know, as I'm researching this in the week, sometimes things just you want to tell someone. So I've actually told a few people the story of the pumpkins and Stingy Jack. I actually told, I told one of my classes it, they, they, you know, they probably want to really shut up. But, you know, I, I you know, I'm definitely going to remember that story. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. 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 And I, I love the, the fact that I've learned where it originated from. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Celtic, Pagan Festival, Island, Scotland, Isle of Man. And then it was taken over to America during the potato famine in the 1840s. So, yeah, yeah, I find it super interesting. Obviously, it's Halloween this week. We hope you have enjoyed listening to it. Maybe you can share some knowledge with some friends. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, let us know what's been uh, your favourite part of the episode. That'd be great to hear. Hit us up on the socials at Two Guys One Topic. And we look forward to speaking with you next week. Exactly, Ollie. Get out there and share some knowledge.